Hey guys, this is Mike. Leave it to finding moments. I have a special guest today, Cody Hawk, here with me today. Hello, Cody. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Michael. How are you? I am doing very well. Just trying to. Our state is starting to release from this quarantine stuff slowly but surely. So we're just trying to go with the flow to the new norm. Yep. Same here. It's been a. Uh... It's been quite an experience going through this, but um, God, God's hand's been in all of it, and he's working, and uh, that's, uh, that's where my family and I have tried to, tried to stay grounded through this, is he's working, and he's doing something, and there's nothing I can do to change what he's doing, so Amen. I just find peace in it. Amen. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think it's all a learning, a learning process for me, I feel like, a learning process for my family and myself um tell us a little bit about yourself real quick cody yeah i'm i'm 32 years old i'm married my wife and i have been together for almost 13 years uh married going on nine years um we have two kids Uh, my daughter is 13 years old and my son is going to be oh my gosh my son's gonna be 11 this year it's insane um yeah, I started walking with the Lord um, nearly five years ago. Um, I have a full-time job. I uh, I work for an insurance agency here in Arizona. Um, and then we have our ministry, Kingdom Lives, that focuses on uh, empowering people to share their testimony with the world. Testimony yourself. You want to give us a little snippet of that, and then we could, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a small town here in Arizona, very diverse. Um, we were kind of an exception to the the culture there. Uh, we were a little more well off than than a lot of the people in the town. It was a very poverty stricken area. Um, again, very diverse and. Um, dealt with a lot of bullying. I've been overweight my whole life, so I had some bullying due to that as well. Um, ultimately, what that led up to, I, I I always did really well in school, had opportunities to go to college, play baseball, uh, different things like that. But at 17, um, I made the decision to use cocaine for the first time, and that's led to a 10-plus year battle with drug addiction. Um, just just ravaged my life for for many years um my my life centered around it it's all i all i lived for during that period of my life um and uh again just cause cause issues holding work Uh, my wife and i met when i was 19 years old started dating on and off got married at uh, 22 um a lot of infidelity and dishonesty and a lot of things throughout our marriage. And then uh, again, about five years ago, that all came to a heat. Our marriage was on the verge of ending. Um, my addiction was at a peak and I decided I didn't want to live anymore because I didn't want to deal with this addiction for the rest of my life. And I was never going to, I was never going to beat it. Uh, so I attempted to overdose one night, um, and God had other plans. Um, I fell asleep, 
thought that that was it, but woke up the next day. Um, my wife, my wife had an idea that I had a, a, an issue with addiction, but had never really caught uh, caught me using or had real solid concrete proof. Um, but that morning, she found the uh, found the rest of the drugs that I hadn't finished laying in the bed next to me, and uh, that was. That was the moment everything turned around. Um, she she flipped out a little bit and left and ended up coming back. I was staying at my parents' house at the time because we were separated. Um, came back and just a completely different demeanor and presence about her. Um, ultimately, after hours of conversation, said, look, if you, if you want to change, I'm here with you every step of the way. But if not, I got to go. And uh, all I wanted to do that day was get out to, I had been attending church for about two years at that point, but just as more of a charade to um, make it look like I was trying to improve my life. But something was drawing me to the church that day. And we, uh, we called the pastors and they dropped everything they were doing and let us come out and see them. And my wife wasn't attending that church at the time. She was uh, actually attending a Catholic church at the time, but my pastors dropped everything they were doing, allowed us to come out and essentially gave me the same message that she did because I had been, again, walking through some different things in the church for a couple of years and had built friendships there. And they, uh, they said the same thing. Look, if, if you want to come clean with this and, and turn this over to God and repent of all this, we're here and we will do anything and everything to support you on this journey. But if not, you've got to go. Sin can't run rapid in the church. Um, and I sat there for two to three hours and went back through everything uh, that I could possibly remember throughout my life and asked God to forgive me for that and, and committed my life to Jesus that day. And since then, there it, it honestly, I can't explain it in any way other than a miracle because since that like there hasn't been extensive counseling that's happened um which I, I i don't speak against those things at all because god gave us those things as resources but for my personal experience and my my testimony god performed a miracle in my life that day because i have not had a desire to use drugs i've not had a desire to seek attention from another woman outside of my marriage uh, i've changed from being just a habitual liar to I confront hard topics with the truth um, and it, it's completely changed the landscape of my marriage my wife is my best friend um, she she has told me that she never in her life thought that she could trust me ever again in about a year and a half into this walk. Um, she came to me one night while we were laying in bed and said, I, I never thought I could trust you, but I can tell you today that I fully 100% trust that everything that you tell me is the truth. And uh, and that's that's led us to where I am today. I'm, I'll be five years sober in August. Um, I've, I've taken part in several different Celebrate Recovery ministries. I've been the leader of a celebrate recovery ministry at my home church i've led and volunteered and celebrate recovery at other churches um, and now now we have our kingdom lives ministry uh, which is absolutely incredible to see what god's doing with that
the testimony you have right there is just awesome. You can tell, you know, that God is merciful and, you know, he's such a forgiving God. And sometimes we don't think we're worthy of, of it at all. But, you know, that's what he's paid the price for it. To give yeah. it to us. Sometimes we don't realize that or we don't understand it in those terms. So we feel like that we're going to always be lost. So why should we try, you know, you know, I'm, you know, whatever you're doing, you think that, you know, I'm lost. I'm just going to stay this way because God's never going to forgive me. God's never, ever going to have that mercy for me because I'm, I'm too lost. I'm too broken. I'm too, um, and I've seen that. I've seen that many times. And, um, I've been through that too, where I feel like I, not worthy of God's mercy or worthy of God's grace. And, um, all he's doing is holding his hands out going, you know, I, you know, I sent my only son for you to pay the price. And once you, once I've forgiven you, it's gone. I don't even remember it. Yeah. You know, it's so hard as humans and flesh, our flesh, you know, our human flesh that we always go to have that thought that, you know, messed up so badly that we're never forgiven will be forgiven it's so i've been as of late uh, the last couple of years i've struggled with some depression and anxiety uh, that I, i've never dealt with before and i can honestly say i never lent much credibility to depression or anxiety ever in my life i was extremely insensitive to it um, i thought that those things were simply a choice made to to be happy um, and God has brought me through this journey and battle with depression and anxiety over the last few years that has given me a completely different insight as to how people who struggle with these things, why they struggle so badly. Um, and that it's not just a choice every day because it's so heavy and, um, it, 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 it at times has been a harder battle than overcoming drugs ever was for me. Um, but a huge resource that I've started going through the last couple months, uh, and I'm taking, I'm taking this journey really slow going through this book, but have you ever heard of the book, The Bondage Breaker? Yeah, but I've heard about it. So it, it's, it's an absolutely incredible book. And I just, I actually just finished chapter three last night and it speaks very much to what, what you just said that. In the book, it talks about Neil Anderson's the author, and he's he's saying that that in his belief, people misinterpret what Paul is saying in Romans when he goes on. I, I do what I don't want to do, and I I don't want to do what I want to do, um, and then goes on saying I'm I'm a wretched man, um, and a lot of people read that as a singular character being existent in that conversation that he's having in Romans, but there's a second character in that because Paul is talking about sin and the sin that lives in him. And when Paul says, I'm not a wretched man, people, people 
misunderstand the word wretched and, and think that it, it means evil or destructive or, or at least relate it to evil or destruction. And the definition of the word wretched is sad and miserable. So he's sad because sin exists in his life and God hates the sin. But we all, we, we are all made in God's image and God's nature. And God's not sinful. God's not evil. So in us, we desire to do good. And it's sin in us that causes us to do the things that we don't want to do or evil or addiction or whatever it may be. So when we look at ourselves in that light, we have to take the worth because we, we assign our worth with our sin. And us as a person, we aren't our sin. Sin is sin. We're children of God and we're made in his image. So we have to be able to separate the two and say the sin is evil in my life and I need to rid myself of sin because I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of God's love. I'm worthy of more than this sinful behavior. And I, and like I said, I heard about that book and I haven't even had a chance to pick it up. Um, and you're, we're, you're kind of, I've been thinking about this for the past few days. And of course, you know, I've gone through and still battling a little bit of depression and, and anxiety um, and self-will sometimes. And um, having to deal with that and my worthiness in God's eyes and trying to navigate through all that. And I feel like recently, since we're all being quarantined to the house and we can't do this and our life is from normal going to to this, to, I mean, totally unorthodox way or how to function because we can't even go to the grocery store without having a whole new, you know, new protocol and new way of doing it and um, everything. And um, I was laying in bed thinking and, you know, and I was, you know, just thinking and, of course, you know, a few times my anxiety kind of amped up because I'm thinking, you know, I will, I do a contract work in the operating room. So because I'm contract work, I was kind of laid off. So I, right now I don't, I'm not working in the operating room because, you know, they're not doing it, you know, the essential cases at the moment, only yeah. emergence or, you know, so that was taken from me. And then, you know, I'm a full-time realtor. So all this new stuff, coming up about what we can do and what we can't do you know also you know of course both states i'm licensed in georgia and tennessee you know redeemed us as essential workers that for the economy yeah so but we had to do it by you know facetime going to the house ourselves or facetime or do virtual tours and relating to all this stuff on zoom and then taken away from church our church is you know me and my wife is, you know, with the work with the youth and I'm over, I do work with the um, high school uh, over the high school um, relate group okay. after our pastor Jeremy preaches. And we get, I get the high schoolers and we go over and, you know, I'm, you know, their leader, part one of the youth leaders. Well, 
right before this happened, you know, of course, my youth pastor at 35, I think 36 years old, last October, lost his wife. You know, um, she wasn't sick. She just got down a blood clot to the heart. Um, that devastated our pastor. It devastated our youth group. It was totally, you know, something new to deal with because she was young. Um, he was going through this, wasn't sure if he was going to come back. Um, so, but our youth kind of stuck together, but our youth started building. We started getting 30, you know, 30, 35. We started having more on Wednesday nights for youth services. We were getting ready to do this big, um, in Knoxville, we're supposed to go to, uh, Winterfest. I don't know if you heard of that, heard of that but, um. The big Church of God Winterfest, all the high school, you know, from mid, um, from maybe eighth grade all the way through high school, um, we were renting out the whole Tennessee um, basketball arena. Oh wow! And every year we go and have we have a few worship bands there. We have great, you know, youth pastors that comes out and you know preaches for three nights in a row. We rent a cabin up there. We do this whole retreat, and every night we have a service and. You know, we pack it out. So last year, it was phenomenal. The kids, it was just phenomenal. So this year, we were gearing up. We were all excited. Everyone was ready to go the day of about 10 o'clock in the morning as we were getting packed, getting ready to do pick up our stuff to head, you know, that direction. We get a phone call saying that University of Tennessee won't let us on their campus because of this coronavirus. Well, it just started in March. So this is the first of March. Well, that got canceled. Devastated for a lot of the kids. The following week, we went down to the point where we couldn't go to church. We had one church service after that. That was it. We're going to have to, you know, the governor, 10 people more. They didn't want, you know, large gatherings. So we started doing live stream church online. And I started doing my my, uh, relate groups and my pastor, our youth pastor would preach and everything on Zoom. So that was really different. But it's totally different when you're not able to actually – you can see their face and you can see the service online, but not being there and being connected, feeling you're not plugged in, really affected me. And I know it's affected a lot of our youth and a lot of our people at church. And um, and, and, um, and lead up to that point. I know how everything's changing. But I kept on having this in my head talking about it and I know everyone's looking forward to being back to normal. Everyone's ready to go back to normal Mm -hmm. or ready to be normal again. Um, I just was wondering if God just wants us to be so forward to normal, looking forward to normal instead of just wanting to go back to normal. Because I don't think we're going to be able to, to go back to normal. I think God is is trying to get us to, to let go of some things. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that, with, with what you said there. Um, I don't think the way that the human race was progressing was sustainable for human existence. Um, I mean, you see 
you you see kind of the stereotypical post cliche posts going out right now. God's removed the idols, all, all the idols from from people's lives right now. Um, but what are they what are they doing with their time now? Are they now using that time that they'd spend sitting three to four hours a day on the couch watching sports? Are they spending that in the word now? Are they spending that with their wives, kids, um, connecting with people virtually when they can to, to speak life into them? What are we doing as Christians? Because I see, I see both sides of it. I see people that are really taking that opportunity and trying to fill the void of those idols with healthy, God-centered word and activities. And then I see another side where people say, or people I know that are Christians or will go out into forums and say, yeah, I'm a Christian and here's how I feel about this. And it's spewing hate and just causing further division between people. And I don't think that that's what God wants. And honestly, I've done, we were, I was reading our morning devotional this morning and the title was called gracious uncertainty. And it was talking about that it's, you know, scripture commands us to not, not concern ourselves with tomorrow. That we find peace when we know it's all in God's hands. And the most loving thing that we can do to people right now is respect that they have a fear of this thing and find the ways that we can support them in a way that makes them feel the love of Christ. And I understand that's that's hard for some people to hear because there are people like yourself who are saying that that uh, you know you can't perform your duties at the hospital right now because the elective surgeries and general surgeries and stuff have been postponed, and I'm sure that that's put a financial hardship in place. Um, there are business owners that are losing their businesses. There are people who have lost loved ones to this illness. Um, and, and my heart goes out to them. I, I pray for them every single day. But my prayer is that they'll find peace in whatever it is that God's doing. For me personally, it's been, it's been such an amazing slowdown because I'm one that likes to just run and gun and go and go and go. And I'm a very extroverted person and um, hang out with, with friends a lot and go and play basketball and do all these different things. And now being confined to my home pretty much, um, I need, uh, it, it's, it took some adjusting for a couple weeks there, but like last weekend, my family and I were sitting around having dinner on a Sunday night that I spent all day cooking. TV was off. We were playing the low rider oldie show over our, google home that was going throughout the house and we're just we're sitting around the dinner table together sharing dinner all as a family unit which we admittedly we we don't do that so i think god is trying to kind of bring us back to the basics a little bit oh i I totally agree i feel like and then of course i'm one of those control people i want to try to control and you know of course god's head slapped my hands a lot of times saying mike you can't control this it's (laughs) out of your control you're i you know stay in your lane feel like sometimes if i could just hear his voice sometimes i think he's yelling at me going michael stay in your lane stay in your lane um 
but you know, sometimes I want to grip a hold of stuff, and I'm realizing that I want to handle things more than I should. That I shouldn't be handling what I'm trying to handle. Yeah. So I'm grabbing that, and I'm trying to pick that up, and I'm struggling with it. And I'm hurting myself, just trying to struggle by taking care of it. And I'm just gripping it as hard as I can, and God's is just asking me to release my grip. Yeah. Because releasing my grip, he's going to be able to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I'm one of those who like to tell stories in my head <laughs> all the time. You know, I start, and then once I start telling me that, my, you know, create that story, I start really investing into that story, and then I'm realizing that. You know, just to, you know, comfort myself or something. And the story, I'd always start thinking the worst case scenario, you know. So I'll take myself straight to the worst case scenario thinking, well, if it doesn't turn out that bad, then I'm in good shape. So let's freak out and worry about what the worst case scenario is going to be and hope for the best. I listened to and really enjoyed your episode that you did on, um, on fear. And I love the analogy that you made when you were talking about um, the, the, the smoke detector in your house doesn't indicate fire. It indicates there's a potential fire, but you struggle with hearing the smoke alarm and then acting like it's a five alarm fire. Exactly. And I, I may not have summarized that 100% accurately, but um, I think that it's so it's so important that you brought that to light because, again, as Christians and believers, we're called to take every thought captive, right? So that smoke alarm is the thought, but it's also that signal for us, okay, we need to take this thought captive and we need to stomp this out right now so it doesn't grow to be that fight alarm fire. Analogy with myself a lot. I go, okay, you know, sometimes I know it sounds weird or crazy, but sometimes I'll go, okay, that's the smoke detector going off. Is it just something on that eye that's been burning off and the smoke detector just, you know, detected that little bit of smoke? Because you know how sometimes you have oversensitive smoke detectors? Yep. And they could have just. Anything, any other thing, you turn the oven on, you're like, oh my gosh, you would think I just started a fire. But sometimes you gotta, I have to re- remind myself, okay, because the situation. first of all, I have to know that God's in control. And even though it's intensified, God is still in control. And he will position me where I need to be. Yeah. And it's so hard. It's so hard because with with thinking that with any situation, um, you know, just went through a situation, you know, with this real estate stuff, I, you know, things were not going in the direction I thought it should, and it really wasn't. But I had anxiety about the whole situation. But I reminded of a, a promise that God continually was 
had promised me. Well, not told him. I told myself, you know, well, the whole situation worked out yesterday. And as soon as that situation, I took care of that situation like I should have that God wanted me to do, stepped up to the plate and took care of that problem. Within a couple hours, I had four doors and opportunities open up to me like a floodgate. <laughs> and I was like, God. And then I'm like going, you know what? If I would have just listened and done it like I should have, but it was like, you know, God holds back our blessings. But sometimes God has to position us at that moment for the specific time, and sometimes we hold back our our potential or our um, blessings because we're not doing what we should be doing. Yeah. God's not going to drop that. I mean, I know God has promises for me, but he's just not going to drop that in my life until he knows that I'm positioned the right way. Because if I'm not positioned in the right place or the right time, or the right season, that opportunity is not going to prosper. Yeah. Well, there were, I, I struggle, I struggle kind of with the opposite. I don't look forward and worry about the future. Um, there are times that I've caught myself in cycles of reflecting on my past and wondering why did I have to go through this if God loves me so much? Um, and there was that there was a time and I talk about it a little bit in my testimony, but there was a time I was again, just ravaged with addiction. It was right, right when I had started attending church um, as kind of the charade and was hearing some of these messages and, um, from the, from the pastors. And one day I was at work and I was doing retail merchandising at the time. And I was in a dollar general in my hometown. And I was, I had to reset the laundry detergent section that day. And I was just covered in gunk and broken laundry detergent bottles. And God knows what that was all over the stuff in here. And I was just getting really angry and I was almost yelling at God saying, well, if you love me, why am I here? Like I had all this potential. I had academic scholarships. Um, I had opportunities to go play college baseball. Why am I, why am I here today? And I started walking down the aisle and he just froze me dead in my tracks and uh, he said, I have so much more for you than you could have ever planned for yourself. And I stopped in the middle of that store and started crying my eyes out. And I had people stopping, coming up to me, asking me if everything was okay. And I mean, I just looked like a, I looked like a fool, but I just couldn't help but but just break down in tears. And again, it would be five years down the road before I came to know him and started, started walking with him and, and he started to deliver on those promises. But I, that day just sticks out to me like crazy, but I, I still find myself in those patterns today. Like why, why, why did I have to go through this? Why did I make this choice? Why didn't I pursue this? And, uh, that those can be that those can be dangerous patterns for a Christian to get caught in as well. Caught it in the same way. I mean, I've always, I mean, I've had, 
I've had people from church. I've had people come up to me and tell me, Michael, I have a word that you need to listen to. God said, you know, he's going to prosper you. You're, you know, and I hear this confirmation of, you know, not, not too long ago, I had one of our youth lady ladies come and pray for me and said, you know, this is what God has in store for you. And then I come back and, you know, this stuff, all this pandemic stuff happened and, you know, and trying to get, you know, my business with real estate going, you know, really going and, and I'm like going, yeah, whatever. And then I start going back going, yeah, what have I done to prevent me from this happening? And I start going back in that, you know, either I'll go backwards or I'll go forward, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and, you know, I start thinking about, you know, you know, worthy of this. That's why I'm not getting this. Or they just want to be nice to build up my confidence or, you know, and it's not the case. But, you know, again, I, get back, I progress in that category back going, you know, but look where I'm at now. Why am I here? If you love me and you did tell me that I, you know, you're going to be prospering me and I have all this to look forward. Why am I sitting here? Why am I having to go through this? Why do I have to go through this right now to get what you want? From me? And it's so easy to, it's so easy to go. Um, that I want it done like that. I want it done at the snap of the finger. That's why I think God should work, yeah. you know? Well, it's uh, but sorry, it's steps. Yeah. Okay. So we, I, I listened to Pastor Michael Todd of Transformation Church in Oklahoma, um, and I was listening to a series of his a while back, and he gave me a gut check moment that was was really hard, and I just, I, I feel the Spirit leading me to share this with you too because we just we we fight this similar fight, and it was that God can show you something today that he has planned for you 10 years from now, but he's outside of time. So we can fall into that trap of, okay, God showed me this today. So he must want me to go do it today. When that may not be the case at all, he could have just blessed you with a vision of here's what I have for you, but he didn't say when, (laughs) you know, so all we can do is if we feel that that truly is a word and vision and purpose from God is what can we do today to get a step closer to that? And where, where, where can we go that he's guiding us today? And that, that's all it is, is, is daily obedience. Um, kind of goes back to, to mm-hmm. what we were talking about, about COVID. Like it does us absolutely no good to look at okay, what does the future look like after this? Because that's not what we're called to do. We're called to look and be obedient to God today. Amen. And I, you know, I, I have a wonderful wife. My best friend, been married, will be, would be married 25 years in December. Thank you. And she, she's the one that reminds me of all our blessings you know when you have those people in your life your wife or whoever they could just check you and of course my 15 year old son loves to check me too (laughs) um (laughs) love it um but she reminded me not too long ago this and um 
we got married when we were 21, so we were fairly young when we got married. Um, we tried for over we tried for over eight years, almost nine years to have a child. My wife has polycystic ovarian disease. Mine does as well. So, uh, so uh, yeah, and it's a struggle. And um, so we were pretty much told that we probably wouldn't be able to receive. So we went through all the, you know, all the good, um, you know, not in vitro, vitro, but all the shot stuff and all the pills and the whole nine yards. And we just, it was was disappointing. And it hurt me so bad to watch my wife go through that disappointment moment thinking, oh, I think I'm pregnant and look at the pregnancy test and it wasn't. And going, I don't think we're going to have one. And the doctor's like, you know, we'll try this and this. And if not, we'll probably have to try in vitro. But that's so expensive. And, of course, at that time, your insurance don't pay for that. So that's something that you just was not in the cards at the moment. You know, and then you start thinking about, well, we'll have, to, you know, down the road, we'll look into uh, um, uh, adoption. So, I mean, so this has been on for about almost nine, almost nine years. Um and then one of friends, you know, would end up getting, getting pregnant. Um, and that was, you know, you see that and you struggle with that. And I watched her get struggle with that. And, you know, people, you know, would tell her that, you know, we're praying for you. It's going to happen. You're going to have a child. And it was frustrating. And my wife went to, it's, this has been a long time ago. I don't know if you remember. It was back in, in the day of Paula White. She had this women's conference. That a couple of her friends went with her from church and they went to this um, women's conference. And um, it was all about, you know, they had, it was a women's conference. Well, at towards the end, I think they prayed about, you know, that Paula White said that she wanted people to come up to altar that's wanting, that's struggling having kids or, or barren or whatever. So she went up there and then she went home and then two of her friends went to church with us so they kept on prophesizing over her, telling her that you know this is going to happen um so we gave up on just trying we gave up not uh, on the pills and all that stuff to to conceive so we just gave up on that and we're like if it happens it happens if it don't well so after that within not too long after that um she said um pregnancy test and I'm like going are you sure and she goes yeah so I I go get it and she bless my wife's heart she's one of those that just you know doesn't like disappointment so she's like well I'll just finally do this go get me one I got her one and um so I laid in the bathroom and she said I'll have I'll wait in the morning um if nothing happens I'm gonna have to go to the doctor because I'm I think I have problems I really do have problems because I'm having issues so either I'm pregnant or I'm having issues and we need to I need to get something taken care of I'm miserable I'm like okay so I laid in the bathroom we went to bed and then I hear her scream I hear her scream and I'm like oh my gosh I mean I'm in dead sleep at two o'clock in the morning hearing her scream and I was like someone broke into the house oh my oh lord someone got a hold of her so I'm trying to – I'm getting up out of bed trying to focus going, okay, wh- where is she and where is she screaming from? And she is in the bathroom holding the pregnancy test. 
And she's like, you see this? And I'm like going, what's wrong? And I, was, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom what she had in her hand. I was just looking at her because I was trying to see if there was blood on her or someone had attacked mm-hmm. her or what. I wasn't focusing on that. And I finally realized it was, it was a pregnancy test that, you know, came positive. And it was the first time that we ever had one, you know, positive. So I was just, I just thought it was crazy because she was just screaming at two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I thought you were going to wait <laughs> until early in the morning. And you were telling me, don't ask you to do it early. Don't, you know, you're just going to do it in the morning. You're just going to do it. And she goes, well, I just got up and I felt like I was told to go do this. And I needed peace and I needed peace right then. And she says, I had peace about it if it was negative and I had peace about it if it was positive. She goes, I just woke up and I was afraid to get you up. And I just had, I, w- I was nudged and was needing that peace. And I was told that I would get my peace. Yeah. Amen. So it was like, and we prayed, we prayed and we knew. I was coming and talking about God's timing. You know, God's timing is always right, and thank God it was nine nine years later that we had Hunter, um, because, you know, being young, and what we went through, the struggles we went through before he was born, I think it would have been awful to be in that situation and having to, you know, young, young in love and just struggling not really good jobs, just struggling to focus what we're going to do, where we're going to be, not really mature. So God knew what he was doing. Yeah. But Lord, we want to look then and now. And, um, and the more we looked at it, like my wife would always check me all the time. She goes, Michael, think about it. She goes, he gave us Hunter. Not nine years after we asked or tried. Yeah. On purpose, because we knew what we would go through. And we would be in a better place. You know, God has his plans that he has to make sure he's paving that path and putting people in our path and situations in our path to make sure that we're ready for that blessing. Because when God blesses us, he's just not going to bless us halfway or give us something that's going to be taken away from us. He's going to make sure we're ready. Yeah, amen. Because, I mean, Scripture... Scripture puts it pretty clear that when we when we get a blessing from God, it doesn't come in the form of finances or bigger houses or cars or um, a dream job or whatever it is. It comes in the form of increased responsibility for his kingdom. And you guys being blessed with a child is a perfect example of that because you guys have walked through so much up to that point that it had grown your faith that at that point it God it could have been God saying okay now your faith is ready for you to shepherd a child that you can now lead to me exactly and I think and when we had Hunter we, we had issues with Hunter when he was born um, we uh, struggled with um, he had problems he had failure to thrive he was born very like um, premature he was born a couple weeks early three weeks early um, at, he was born with six pounds, two ounces, and he dropped down to five, five, eight. Um, and then he had failure to thrive, had tro- trouble breastfeeding. So we had to have, you know, formula. And then we went from 
certain floral formulas he couldn't eat. He struggled to gain weight. And we went through this whole process for over two or three months going, the doctor telling us if that your child doesn't gain any more weight, I just say we're going to put you in the hospital, put him in the hospital, and we're going to have to, you know, make sure he gains weight. So we were going through that process, and right that by the time that we went to the doctor, every time he'd gained just enough weight to want him to stay out of the hospital. Mm. We found out that he had to have his tongue clipped, so that's why he was failure to thrive, not able to handle a nipple oh, or wow. or. You know, from the bottle or whatever. So that was hindering him. Then, you know, we noticed that he started having other issues where um, as he was growing up or getting early years, one, two years old, getting into getting into um, preschool and uh, kindergarten, that he had trouble with his spatial awareness, where his body was. Um, he was sitting in a, would be sitting in a chair in kindergarten and the teacher said he would just fall mm-hmm. out. Or he was just really clumsy and um, stuff like that. And he would be really hypersensitive to certain things and not sensitive to other things. He would always have to be swaddled or have something really heavy on him. Um, So we thought it was a sensory processing um, disorder. So we started going through therapy with him, um, trying to get him on the right track and going through all that process. Um, And then later... Later, he was diagnosed with um, Asperger's. Oh, wow. Um, so he is fully functional Asperger's. But it's, it's trying to keep him breaking down that that boy who's 15 years old now, who is in regular classes at high school, that has just passed a test to do dual enrollment for school next year in the junior year <laughs> um, has been more of a blessing for me than anything else will. It's funny how much we uh, how, how many things that we have in common just in this conversation and we had never spoken with each other prior to this and um, my son was also born premature. He was born at 28 weeks. He was two and a half pounds when he was born. Um, he spent three months in the NICU before he was allowed to come home. He didn't talk until he was almost four. Um, and uh, and they warned us of, of having all these complications and you know, gave us all the worst case scenarios that can happen. And today he's going on 11 years old and he's a happy, healthy boy and can talk just fine and deals with a little bit of asthma. But other than that, he, uh, we, we think he might deal with some sensory processing issues as well. Um, we're, we've been exploring some of that over the last few years. Um, but but other than that, he's just, I mean, so, so blessed with his, his health and all the things that, that could have been and that God's hand's been over him. Oh, yeah. I praise God. That's awesome. Um, yeah, when we, it was a scary thing. It was like one of those that you didn't want to hear a diagnosis, but we needed it. Um, we had, and we went through with this with our child, too, that 
during this process of learning this, trying to figure out why sometimes he got agitated with things or he couldn't sit still for a long period of time with in a restaurant sometimes with everyone talking because he at six years old he would tell us that he could hear everyone's conversation in the mm-hmm. restaurant. And we would just look at each other going, okay, what's wrong with, I mean, we were just like, what are you saying? He said, Daddy, I could hear them talking at that table. I know what they're saying there. And I got to, I got to, you know, leave or I need to get out. Because that overstimulated him because he had this hearing. I called it like, you know, super hearing because I remember times that we could be in the living room at home. And he could hear a noise, and he would stop and dead in his tracks of what he's doing, and go, "Did you hear that?" So we turned the TV off. Still didn't hear it. Hunter was like, "Did you hear that?" And it would be, I could look outside, and it'd be like three driveways down, that that noise that he's heard, you know. And then we had no clue. I mean, just you know, that is- he's just his sen- different senses was different than others. Some was hyper, some was not as, you know. And going through the struggle with that, sometimes he had a little bit of behavior problem growing up because he was learning and he didn't understand and we didn't understand why he was doing things that he was doing. And he couldn't tell us why he was doing those things. So we've had family members that would criticize us, you know, going, well, if I were you, if I was his yeah. parent, you know, I would have beat his butt more or, you know, I wouldn't tolerate that from him or he should know better. Or are you teaching him better? You know, you always got that critic from, and it would be always from family members that always thought they knew the best, yep. you know, but they didn't live with them every day and understood what we were going through. And then we ended up finding out what we were going through and started getting therapy and getting counseling for him and getting him to the point where now he is a 15 year old high school boy. That's fully functional with his Asperger's. He has a little, Quirks every day, every now and then, but we all do. <laughs> um, but he's a smart individual, hungry for God, um, always willing to do whatever he wants and what he can at church. Volunteer from running the cameras to whatever, and always you know involved. And he's been a blessing to me. He, he's my, you know, between him and my wife, I tell you, they both are my encouragers. If I don't have, didn't have them, sometimes I feel like I would be in dump in a in and we'll sit down um, because they're always reminding me, you know, God loves me. They're always reminding me that the promises and always there to encourage me. And I'm like, I am supposed to be encouraging y'all, <laughs> and y'all are encouraging me. Well, God's given me a God's given me a word to share out of Scripture. Um, while we're while we're here today too and it speaks it speaks to people similar to us that can struggle with where we are in our walk um can struggle with our self-worth can we we equate ourselves to our sin and and relate who we are to our sin not who we are in god and and i'm going to open the word and i'd like to i'd just like to share this with everyone today and it's Ephesians Ephesians chapter 1 1 through 13 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will 
to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love for him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everyone together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. And this was so powerful to me when I was reading it. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan, the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise into his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you also believed, were sealed in him with the promised Holy Spirit. Our, our, our belief, our belief in, at our salvation sealed us with God and our sin, sin trying to attack us and that. inside me when you read that that just kind of thank everyone out there that that needed to hear that and I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you coming in on here with me and sharing your story and just talking because I feel like during this time, this is what we need. And that's why I started the podcast. I mean, just, I thought it was just going to help me, but I didn't realize that it was, you know, for therapy for myself, I guess. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Michael. It's been a it, it's been a great uh, great experience. Great talking to you and getting to know you a little bit, and uh, definitely look forward to seeing what God is doing with your your mission and purpose. Same here, and I you know I wish all the best for your your ministry. Keep it up. I enjoy it. I enjoy your Facebook um, our coffee time. Um, so. Uh, I'm glad we were able to connect on this. And I'd like to have you on here more often. Maybe we'll get together again down the road. Um, guys, this is Cody Hawk again. Uh, I appreciate him hanging out with us. And this is Michael Lee with uh, Defining Moments. Guys, be blessed. Encourage y'all to be thankful for what you do have. Spread some gratitude out there. And um, you too. We'll talk to you soon.
Thanks, Cody. You have a